Awesome. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? All right. Good to see you. Come on. You're looking good today. You're looking a little bit more gussied up than normal. Some of the college ladies that came in, they were like, Pastor Jake, you look good. You have a jacket on over your normal outfit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that compliment. <laughs> so nice. Well, hey, I am so excited to see you guys today. This is Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, which is so cool. But I just want to say a special welcome to all of our first-time guests. If you don't know me, my name is Jake, and I'm the lead pastor here along with my wife, Bethany. And uh, we're just so happy, along with all the team here, to, to, to have you here today. And uh, maybe you were like thinking you were escaping church by going to the movies on Easter Sunday, and you, you accidentally walked into this one. Hey, just stick it out. It's going to be great. Uh, I, I hope, hope you really have a great time today, but I think God brought everybody here today that he wanted to be here so that you could be a part of this service and hear what God wants to speak to you. So I'm so excited that you're all here. I want to say a welcome to everybody in the Overflow Theater. Can we say a big round? Let's give a big round of applause for everybody in Theater One. Can you guys hear us in there? Hopefully they can uh, hear us in there. We love the Overflow Theater. Thanks for hanging out in there, you guys. Hopefully everything's coming through loud and clear. Well, as you know, we're a church in a movie theater, and uh, we love being in the movie theater. How many of you like the seats here? Very comfy? Yes. We love Regal. They're great. Uh, but in honor of that, we actually want to give out some popcorn today. So we've got some popcorn bags, and uh, we decided instead of having you sort of awkwardly eat your popcorn like Gollum, my precious, and not share with anybody. We're just going to give you a bag. So if ushers, if you guys want to give those out. So wave. Do you have them? I can't quite see. Oh, yeah, he's got them. Frank's got them. So wave at Frank. If, who, who likes popcorn in here? Wave your hand. Like, don't be embarrassed. I, if I was able to receive this prize, I would be competing for it for sure. We just want to say thank you for being here. So you can take that popcorn bag with the Joy Church flyer on it and uh, turn it in anytime. You don't have to get that today, but you can get a, uh, some free popcorn which is awesome. Well, uh, I'm excited because it's Easter and today's Resurrection Sunday and we're celebrating the core fact, the core reality of the Christian faith, which is the resurrection of Jesus. And this is a, a really big deal. And we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. But before we do that, we're going to talk about death. In fact, the whole message today is going to be about death. Now, how many of you put on your pastel today and we're like, yes, I want to go to church and talk about my impending doom, my impending death. Anybody? Some of the more and more people are like, yes, absolutely. Finally, a sermon for me. Um, but most of us on Easter aren't necessarily all excited about talking about death. But the reality is there's no resurrection without death. Resurrection life is only good news. It's only like a good story in the face of death. And death is one of those things for all of us that is a really big deal. Even if we don't like to talk about it or like to think about it, we all are sort of aware uh, of death kind of hanging out in the shadows. And the reality uh, is that today will be an encouraging message. I really believe that as you leave today, you're going to be like, okay, actually something got through to me. Like I, something spoke to me even as we talk about death because the message today is about solving death. So we're not going to end with death. We're going to end with life. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Well, death, the reason I want to talk about it today is because really it's the problem that we all face. Every single one of us has a problem with death. And it's kind of like the elephant in the room, the big old elephant in the room just sort of hiding out in the corner. And we don't talk about it, but we're aware of its presence, kind of as a dark shadow in the back of our minds, kind of as the, the, the thing that's forcing a lot of activity and action uh, that we, we go into. Um, 
we don't necessarily talk about it in polite conversation, but we're all very aware of it and we're all obsessed with staying alive. How many of you are like, yes, I, I like staying alive? How many of you also like, ah, 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 ah? Okay, sorry. That's for my 40 plus crowd. <laughs> all, the, all the 30 people are like, what the heck is he doing? That's not Timberlake. That's not okay. All right, we're all obsessed with staying alive. The average American, uh, I have some stats for you. And as you know, 76% of statistics are, are accurate. You, you guys actually can trust these ones because I got them from the internet. Um, the average American spends 155 per month on their health and fitness. That's $112,000 in their life, which actually is $13,000 more than a public four-year college education. So we spend more on average in health and fitness than public four-year education, which is probably a good investment, to be honest. Uh, if you still have student debt, you're like, yes, it's better for me to work on my, my six-pack than uh, uh, pay off my student loans. We spend $3.5 trillion in America uh, a year on health care, which equates to over $10,000 per year per person kind of a lot, right? And we're aware of, of our death. Like we're trying to stave it off with medicine and exercise and health. Um, we're very aware of death, but we don't want to look like we're dying. And so we have this thing called anti-aging products, right? The anti-aging industry. Now, anti-aging products are not medicine to keep you from dying. They're just to help you look like you're not actually dying right now, <laughs> right? I'm 40. I told, I'm, I'm telling you I'm 40. Grandma, stop. We know how old you are. No, look how nice my face is. Don't my lips look good? You know, anti-aging is this global industry. It's worth $250 billion. So we're aware of our death, but we don't want to look like we're dying, like we're getting older and we're moving towards some kind of a transition. It's a nice way of putting it, huh? But with all this effort that we put in as individuals and as a culture to avoid death, the way that we talk about death is very interesting to me because when we talk about death, we kind of like push it out to the fringes. We, we sort of push death out and we, we'll say, you'll hear people say things like this, like, well, Death is just a part of life. How many of you ever heard that statement? That's one of the most ironic statements you could ever say. What, what do death and life have anything to do with one another? Well, death is a part of life. No, death is the opposite of life. Death is not a part of life. Death is an invader. Death is an intruder. Life is the status. It's the state of existence that we want to be in. Death is something that comes and stops or changes or messes up that status of existence. You know, death is not something that is natural. Death is very unnatural. If you've ever lost someone in your life that meant something to you, when, when that person is gone and people come up and they try to be kind and they say death is just a part of life and it was their time, their time. No, I, I want them back because it feels unjust. It feels wrong. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel good to lose someone, does it? And how many, how many of you, if you died, would like to hear people, you know, if you're looking down from wherever you are, up from wherever you are, you're looking down or up and, uh, oh yeah. <clears throat> and uh, some, I heard a comedian once say, I know where my dad is. He's proud of me. Wherever he is right now, he's looking up at me right now. <laughs> when you hear people talk about you, you don't want to be like, well, death is a part of life. You're like, no, I want to be alive. I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my family. I want to be going to Ducks games and I want to be living my life. You don't want to, you're not okay with this thing called death. Death is something that we're not okay with. It actually is sort of out of sorts. When death comes into your purview, when it comes into your, your world, it's sort of like, what's going on here? Something's not right. The reason that death it feels so unnatural, why it's so unnatural is because 
you and I were created to live forever in relationship with God and others. You're not just time plus slime plus chance. You're not just a biological accident or somebody's mistake in the backseat of a Camaro in the 70s. You're not. Like God made you on purpose and for a purpose. And even if your life has basically been a series of unfortunate events up to this moment, it doesn't mean that you didn't have purpose. Death has been trying to interrupt and invade and mess with your story. But death is unnatural because death was not meant to be part of this thing that we call life. Death was something that came in at a later date. And so that's why we're fighting tooth and nail to stay alive. Like the core of our being is wrestling and fighting to stay alive, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way and every otherwise. Now, let me just illustrate this. How many of you have ever had a life or death experience? Like where you're just doing your own thing, you're maybe driving down the road or you're going boating or you're roller skating or whatever you're doing, skate, I don't know. Skateboarding for me is always a life and death experience. <laughs> I'm the only person that can cause extreme bodily harm to myself and others while going zero on a skateboard. You know what I mean? Anything with wheels is deadly, but you're just going about your business and you have a life or death experience where all of a sudden you're forced to look at your own mortality. You ever had one of these? I remember Bethany and I were, uh, we went to Canada. Uh, yes, on purpose. I know most people don't go on purpose, but we went to Canada on this trip and we were living in Medford at the time. So it was about a 10 hour drive up to BC, 10 or 11 hour drive. And we're coming home one day. We got stuck in the Seattle and Portland, all the traffic. So we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're north of Grants Pass on I-5. You know, the mountain road there, I-5 uh, on the way to Medford there. Um, lots of curves and it's really dark and it's in the woods and I'm, I'm really tired. I've been driving for about eight, nine hours and we're driving along there and all of a sudden I see what appears to me to be a, a boy or like a small man run across the freeway. And there I am, I'm going 75 miles an hour. I mean, 65, I mean, cause that's the speed limit. <laughs> 64, I'm a pastor, right? I'm, I'm breaking the law. My daughter would remind me that I'm a pastor whenever I go past the speed limit. Dad, you're a pastor. Don't you forget it, Evie. So anyways, we're driving along. I see what looks like a boy or a man run across the road. And immediately I'm thinking, I'm not going to kill somebody today. And so I swerve. And all of a sudden it turns into an action movie with all the requisite sounds. We're going and, and we're up in this moment where, where just before we're just listening to like, you know, some cool music on Spotify. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, we're in this moment where now death and life are like hanging in the balance and my wife, Bethany tells me later, she says, I could actually see the pavement coming up towards the window of the passenger car. We're literally up on two wheels. Now, spoiler alert, we don't die. <laughs> we, we, we made it. <laughs> Yay, right? It's a, it's a good story. But in that moment, can I tell you what we weren't thinking of? Geez, I wonder what we're going to have for dinner tomorrow night. You, you know what we weren't thinking of? Man, where, where are we going to go to school? Or what are we going to do for, for money next month? What, how, what about rent? What about 401k? What about, what about health and fitness? We weren't thinking about any of that stuff because when life and death are on the line, when you're in a death experience, your priorities are instantly made crystal clear. And people will say things like this. Yeah, I was there in that moment and my life flashed before my eyes. What's happening? 
who you are as a, as a human being made in the image of God that was created to live forever in relationship with God and others is crying out about the injustice of death as it approaches. And right there in that moment, everything else is cast aside and all you can think about is clinging to life with everything that you have. And as our wheels crashed back down to the pavement and we skidded to a halt and we pulled over on the side of the road, we were shaking because we had faced death. And in that moment, it makes you aware death is the real problem that I'm facing. It's not really who pays my rent or uh, how do I cover my bills or what do I, what do, I do? Or what do I eat next week or who am I going to marry? Like, and all of those questions are big and they're, they, they matter. But you know what? In the face of death, everything else sort of bows down to the biggest problem that we have. Why? Because death is the greatest enemy. Now, whether you've come to face-to-face with death, like in that kind of an experience and had that moment, or not, I think everybody in this room has experienced death in one of its forms, at least at some point in their life. There's a song by Coldplay called Death and All His Friends, which is a cool name for a song. Also a cool band. Seen him twice in concert. Don't be jealous. Uh, they're really, really good. And uh, death and all his friends have visited each and every one of us. Maybe you're not physical death, but maybe death in another way. Because see, death isn't just about dying uh, in your body. Death is also can, can it touch you in your emotions. It can touch you in your relationships. It can get to you in your spirit. I mean, you think about emotional death is that we are messed up on the inside. Like even when the environment around us is perfect, when it's good, when it should, you should be really happy, but we can still experience depression, anxiety, loneliness, lo- loneliness, insecurity, fear. How many of you ever experienced these types of emotions, even though you shouldn't be? based on the, the circumstances that are around you. Sometimes I wake up and I'm just down and yet everything in my life is up. We're not in the poor house. My wife isn't, hasn't left me. My kids still think I'm cool, at least for a few more years. They're not teenagers yet. They still think I can do anything, right? And yet I'm down. Why? What's going on in my emotions? It's because death is in the, is in the water, I've drank from this well and death is, has invaded my existence. Maybe not physically isn't the thing that's right there eminent, but it's, it's gotten into my, my inside part, the emotions. We experience death in our relationships. My wife and I have a, a really good marriage. We've been married for 12 years and that shows that she should be made a saint, right? After, after we die because she's had to put up with me for 12 years. But even though we have this great relationship, sometimes we're like, ah, like at each other. And And it's not because one of us is doing something necessarily bad. It's that both of us have been affected by death and it hurts our relationships. You know, sometimes you have the very best of intentions and relationships still get funky. Are you with me? Well, why? Because death is at work in its various forms. And then spiritually, we have spiritual death. We're separated from God. We're separated from our creator and we can't save ourselves. And so it doesn't matter how many books you read or how many brilliant philosophers you listen to, you still put your head on the, at, at night on the pillow. And because you are not just flesh, but also spirit, because there is a duality to your existence, that there's a material part of you, but also an immaterial part of you, and that you weren't made just to, just to be satisfied by the things of this world, that we crave something, we crave meaning, we search for transcendence because we're not just bone and blood, we're also spirit but our spirit has been separated from our creator and we're out of sorts with who we were made to be and how we were made to function. And so we, we feel that death 
is an invader. We feel it in our bones. We feel it in our hearts. It's, it's, it's around us. It's affecting us in so many different ways. And the reason it's an invader is because it wasn't part of God's original plan. If you go into the book of Genesis, there's two naked people and a talking snake. And that story is actually probably weirder than it sounds. But anyways, when you read about creation and you read about what happened, God's original intention for this planet was not to look like what we see with wars and genocide and racism and uh, divide between classes and gender warfare and all this kind of things. Like God created a planet and he said it was good and it was a place of peace and it was a place of life. But then there was this thing called sin. And sin is one of these words that I think gets thrown around a lot, like you're a sinner. Well, sin means to miss the mark. It means that we've fallen short of our original intended design. We've decided to walk away from God's view of reality and kind of do our own thing. And it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. So when I talk about sin, I don't necessarily mean like you murdered someone or you robbed a bank or something. What I'm talking about is that we've missed the mark, that we've fallen short of God and fallen short of who we are meant to be in some way, shape, or form. And that manifests in a lot of different ways for everybody, different things. But this guy, Paul, that was one of, uh, he was an apostle and he actually preached the, the Christian message all over the, the Roman world of his time. He, he puts it really well in a letter that he wrote to a church in Rome. He said in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is a really good summation because what he's saying is, Hey, no matter how sin manifests, where it ends up is death. And yes, he's talking about physical death, but he's also talking about emotional and spiritual and relational and every other way, even death as it affects us in culture and society. Do you ever think about the fact that the reason you recognize that the world is a screwed up mess is because you have a standard internally that resonates out and it's, you realize something's out of tune the fact that we're all at each other's throats and that mothers and, and fathers are abandoning children and you know, kids don't have enough to eat in the world and that there's slavery and racism and all these types of things and abuse. Any decent person who basically has at least some form of a moral compass and isn't a total psychopath recognizes that there's something wrong with the world. How do you recognize there's something wrong with the world unless something right resonates on the inside of you? See, what you're experiencing is an echo of Eden. You're hearing the, the, the boo-boo, that's a horrible sound effect, but we're going to work with it. It's the sonar. It's the echo that's calling you back to say, this isn't how it was meant to be. This isn't how it was meant to be. And yet what we often find is that though we want to be part of the solution, we're just part of the problem. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And this, guys, this is why Easter, this is why resurrection, this is why today is such a big deal and why the news I want to share with you is such good news. Because somebody did something about our problem. If death is our enemy, we needed a champion. If death is our foe that we could not defeat in our own strength, in our own wisdom and brilliance, we needed someone to come and do something about it. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith. It's not about becoming a slightly more moral person or more judgy on Twitter. Those are added benefits that you can add in as a bonus package if you choose to, but you don't have to. The Christian faith is about understanding that Jesus did something about death. Jesus did something about the central problem that you and I face on a daily basis and that we experience in the world around us. You see, Jesus embraced our problem and took it into himself. We throw around these religious sounding words, resurrection, 
crucifixion. What it really is talking about is the issue of death and what Jesus did about it. See, before there was a resurrection, before we can celebrate Easter Sunday and what this day stands for, there was a crucifixion. And that was the moment when Jesus did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. It was the moment where Jesus said, I see the problem and I could sit up here in the sky or wherever he was. And I could just sort of sit this one out at the right hand of the father, but I'm going to come down and embrace their mess and get involved and do something about it. And so Jesus, 2000 years ago, if you don't know this story, he, he taught and he healed people and he, he helped people feel connected to one another and to God. And he was bringing, saying to people, God's kingdom is here. I'm bringing back what was originally intended. And the religious and political authorities of his day didn't like that message. And they still don't like it today that Jesus didn't come to build some earthly kingdom of power and privilege and one group standing on the heads of another. They didn't like it. And so they put him to death. That's what we call the crucifixion. Now to just, you might know the story. You may have seen the passion of the Christ, but in the crucifixion, it was a brutal execution the Romans, when they put people to death, they did it as an act of shame and humiliation. And so they would strip you butt naked. And, and like contrary to like the popular imagery or whatever, they weren't like put on a hill somewhere. What they would do is they'd find the busiest intersection. So they found a road right outside of Jerusalem. And I went to one of the places that they think could have been the crucifixion site there in Israel. And uh, it's a parking lot now. So that's kind of interesting. But <laughs> they put you on this intersection at a busy road. They actually didn't hang you way up high. They put you at eye level. So there you were hanging naked, bleeding, dying with all your naughty bits out for all the world to see. Totally humiliating, struggling for life because they wanted everyone to see and walk by and re realize, hey, you don't mess with Rome. You don't mess with us. And you don't mess with the order of things and, and the way the world is. You don't mess with death. You don't mess with empires. And, and Jesus there hung on the cross naked. He took death. He took shame. He took embarrassment. He took humiliation. He took ridicule. People were taunting him. He took everything that we've experienced in full measure. He drank it down to the dregs. He died. He, he literally gave up his spirit. And, and it says in the accounts there, because people could hear his words. They were very close to him. It wasn't like up on a hill. It was like right there. At one point he says, it is finished. What was finished? your problem and my problem, death was finished. But somebody had to die to take care of the problem. Somebody had to offer themselves willingly and Jesus died. Now people say, okay, you know, we hear these stories about Jesus rising from the dead, but did he actually die? Did he actually die? Like maybe he just fainted. Well, no. Actually doctors, not just Christian doctors, but just doctors, medical doctors. I'm not one. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I I'm not a doctor. Thank you for the nine people that laughed at that joke. That was amazing. They said, hey, what, what's described here, he did die. And I want you to just think about the fact that the Roman soldiers that were putting him to death, their lives were literally on the line. This was a train, they were trained killers. They were expert professional killers who literally would, they would die if they didn't finish the job. So Jesus died. He dies on the cross and they put his body in a grave and this is where we pick up the story now on Resurrection Sunday. It says in Matthew chapter 28, after the Sabbath, as the first light of the week dawned, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven, came right up to where they were standing. 
He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garments shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. The angel spoke to the women. There is nothing to fear here. I mean, except for the lightning and the earthquake. But other than that, (laughs) angels are always saying like, don't be afraid because it's scary. He says, I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He is not here. He was raised just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was placed. Now get on your way quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead. He is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. Let me just tell you that a lot of you have heard a message that was masquerading as Christianity that was other than this one, he is risen. The message of Christianity is not, hey, you need to be better so God will love you. Hey, you need to do this and change this about yourself so that you can be part of this club. The angel said, the message is this, and it's the only message. He is risen. Jesus didn't come for moral reformation. He came for mortal resurrection. And when you experience the life and the power of Christ on the inside of you, it's transformative. And yes, your morals will change. And yes, things will be different in your life. And yes, you will have more love and more grace for people. But you are being rescued from your real problem, which is death. And until we recognize that fact, if we confuse it with any other message, we lose the plot. He said, this is the message. That's the message of the Christian faith. It's about Jesus solving death, beating death, and what that means, cracking the code. Now, after this event happens, everybody is like, oh my gosh, somebody rose from the dead. You see, the Christian faith doesn't start like a lot of other things. The early Christians didn't put their faith in like the intellectual teachings of Jesus. Listen to the teachings of Jesus when he talked about farming. It's so brilliant. Actually, they were very aware that their message sounded completely idiotic to everybody around them because they're telling all these pagans whose like main worldviews about power and prestige, hey, our king was like crucified butt naked on a cross with all his naughty bits hanging out. And they're like, so we should serve him for what reason? It's foolishness. The Greeks thought, he was, thought it was foolish. The Romans thought it was foolish. Everybody thought it was foolish. The Jewish people thought it was foolish that the Messiah would die this way. But yet the early Christians said, yeah, but listen, this guy rose from the dead. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's outside of the, the norm, but it happened. And they start putting the, the, this together. Now you might be like, hey, I'm skeptical of this. And I, and I totally get you because I'm one of these people who's like, well, come on people don't come back from the dead. Now, if I had time to like sit down with you and talk to you about this, I would share this evidence. I don't have time. But if I did, I would tell you that there were 500 eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. 500 people. And I don't have time to talk about it, but if I did, I would tell you this. I wish I could. But the people (laughs) that were brutally murdered for their belief in the resurrection, that they said, no, I saw him After he was dead, he was in the grave for days, but I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him. His disciples, his followers, they were literally martyred, killed, tortured. And all they had to do was say, yeah, I think maybe the details are a bit fuzzy. Now, how many of you, if you're like actively being boiled in oil, like just, I mean, I don't, hopefully this doesn't happen to you. Hopefully no one has really like an experience of this, but When you're actively being boiled in oil, like John, the disciple, and all you have to do is say, nah, I think I rethink my position. Um, 
What about Thomas when he, the apostle Thomas, he goes to Southern India and what we know about him is that he's literally preaching the gospel as people are shoving javelins into him as a human pincushion. I feel like that as a parent sometimes when my kids come and jump in my lap with their knees and elbows, right? But a little bit different. And there he is and he's being speared and he's continuing to preach the gospel. Why do you do that? Like at what point when your gut is like, your guts are coming out, do you rethink your intellectual positions? So why do people die for this? Because they saw, because they knew it was true. I, I don't have time to talk to you about the fact that Jesus' own brother, James, his own brother, who he grows up with, doesn't believe in Jesus when he's alive. After he sees him raised from the dead, he goes, yeah, I guess that was something. <laughs> and he believes in Jesus and he proclaims Jesus and he gives his life for his brother. He's martyred for his faith. Jesus' political and religious enemies, the Roman empire complex, Roman centurions, Roman soldiers, they, they, they confess the reality of the resurrection and they give their life to Jesus. They convert to Christianity. Also members of the Jewish Sanhedrin these are the two sides of the, the people that crucified Jesus. They have the most to lose by admitting they were wrong. And it literally cost them a great deal. And yet they are intellectually honest, can't deny the resurrection and actually become followers of Jesus. I just want to say it's very rational to believe in Christ on the basis of understanding the historicity and veracity of the resurrection. That Jesus actually did die. Jesus actually did rise from the dead. Now, for those of you whom the word historicity is cool, let's talk later. For those of you who want to die of boredom when somebody uses that word, let's talk about the ramifications for us today and what it means to us. You see, Jesus' resurrection is a big deal and it has something to do with us, not just that it's a historical fact, but that it has ramifications for who we are and how we live and what we do right now that guy, Paul, that I quoted earlier, he said in another, in another part of this letter to the church in Rome, he said, in Christ lives within you. He's going to sum this up kind of and give us some idea of how to, how to wrap our minds around it. He says, so even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And what Paul is saying to these people is he's saying, listen, this thing is a mystery. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around, but this is what we're talking about, that if you will trust in Jesus, if you uh, have Christ, you can overcome death. And that yes, your body is going to die because you, you've experienced death. You, you've, you've drank the cup. Your body will die. That's going to happen. But when you're in Christ, it's not the end of the story. You will walk through that door, but you will experience resurrection life because of the same spirit that was in Jesus, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. When you put your faith and trust in him, that same spirit dwells in you. You are a new creation. You are no longer subject to the same demands of that taskmaster, that problem that we call death. You're, you're free. You're going to be raised. Death does not win. That is the hope of the Christian faith. Not that everything that, hey, you become a Christian and everything in your life gets immediately better. No. Not that, hey, if you become a Christian, then God will be really happy with you. No, he, was, he, he doesn't become more happy or more loving towards you than he already was when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. 
We don't earn our, our salvation through good works. No, the, the gospel is this. He is risen. And that means something to me. When I believe in that, when I put my faith in that, when I trust in Jesus, I get connected to that reality. The gospel is so, such good news because by putting our faith in Jesus, we can experience resurrection life. And Jesus had another disciple named Peter and he wrote this. He said, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Maybe you walked in here today and you don't have everything to live for. Maybe you walked in here today on your last dime or your last dollar or your last relationship with a broken heart. Maybe today you walked in and you have voices in your head. Maybe when you walked in here today, you came in and you're so confused and conflicted upstairs and there's no peace for you. And maybe you say, well, it's mental illness or maybe somebody says it's demons or whatever it may be, but you know there's something that's not right and you walked in here and you said, I don't have anything to live for. And I'm here to tell you that when you connect with Jesus, you get everything to live for. And not just here and now, but Peter goes on. He says, including a future in heaven. And then he says this line, and I love it. He says, and the future starts now. You see, there's something about being a Christian is that we live in a world that is a screwed up mess. We find in ourselves the root of that same screwed up mess, this thing we call death, this thing we call sin. We find ourselves incapable of fixing the world. And we also find ourselves incapable of fixing ourselves and, and adding Christianity as an intellectual set of propositions to who you really are at your core is not the answer. The answer is, is exchanging the real issue of your spiritual death and your physical death and saying, Jesus, I'm not going to trust in myself and be my own savior or my own reason for existence. I'm going to ask you to save me. It takes great humility to truly follow Jesus, because what you are admitting really tacitly is like, I don't have the answers. But when you do that, what you end up doing is connecting with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and eternity invades the moment. And in this mysterious way, you are saved, but you're also being saved because you're still walking in this world of death but now you're not part of the problem. You get to be part of the solution. And God begins to work that solution from the inside. And now where the way of the world would be to defend yourself, you turn the other cheek. And now where the way of the world would be to, to cause more death, to try to save yourself, you start laying your life down for other people and following Jesus. And, right, and all of a sudden you get to do what Jesus said in his prayer, which is, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of a sudden around you, there's like, as Pastor Matt talked about a couple weeks ago, the, the hula hoop of God's goodness, right? And you just kind of bump into people. Oops, sorry. You know, and all of a sudden, as you interact with other people, like you still have death in your life. Like as a Christian, I'm not right and have all the answers. Come on. Are you, you with me? But there's something that Jesus is doing inside of me. Like we sang in that song, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. And I see a little bit of a glimmer that that tomb stone has been rolled away and I'm moving towards life and I'm feeling that life here and now. The future starts now, as Peter said. He says, God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. You don't have it all now, but you will have it all. Life healed and life whole. And that is the hope of resurrection. 
today as we're here having a good time, taking pictures with puddles. You get your picture with puddles? I did too. I super fangirled out there. I was like, ah! Or fanboyed. Sorry, it's beat. Today's where you're having a good time. I think God actually is at work. And you're like, what does that mean? I I don't know really, actually, because it's kind of mysterious. But I, I know that he's here. And I know that he's speaking to you and to me. And that there's an opportunity for us on Resurrection Day to connect with Resurrection Life. And I just want to invite you, if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus, you haven't put your faith in Christ, that this is your day. What a perfect day to let Jesus become your Lord and Savior. You go, Pastor Jacob, well, I think I want to be like, I want to be close to Jesus, but like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Does that mean I have to listen to like lame music and stop cussing and like change everything, oh, no, not listen, you know, not, not, not drink and not, like, no, it means he is risen. And if you accept that reality, there's going to be change that comes, but it's as he leads you as your shepherd. I want you to just try to get rid of any image that you have of like what it means to be a Christian, because it's not you doing something to you, it's him doing something in you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, I want to like know Christ and I want to be part of the solution, not the problem. But like, what does that mean? Like, I don't have all the answers. Like, I don't know about him rising from the dead. I know you just like listed a couple of things, but you're a preacher and that's like your job. So that's what you do. Well, I want to encourage you to turn up every stone and peer into the mystery and look into it. Because a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me have tried to like crack down the, the thing about the Christian faith. Now there's a lot of garbage stuff that you can pull away that's not really the core you know, there's a lot of things that people have added in, traditions of man and different things. And, you know, well, we, we, we do this on this day and we dance this way and we light these candles. And I'm not talking about that stuff. What I mean is the truth of, did this guy raise from the dead, rise from the dead or not? And, and I want to encourage you, if you are like, no, I'm skeptical, I don't know. Just be intellectually honest and pursue that. Pull that string until you get to the end. And I think what you'll find, men like C.S. Lewis, who was like trying to disprove Jesus and like the whole Christian thing, he ends up pulling on that string and he felt someone pull back. Now that's scary, but it's true. What if, what if you're just letting that string sit there, the string of evidence, the string of pursuit of, of knowledge, and you just, you're not pulling it. Are you being intellectually honest or are you sort of leaving that question for another day? The problem is we all have this sort of ticking clock because even if we want to ignore it, death is there like an elephant in the room, like, hey, hanging out with you. I once saw a video of this person dressed up as the Grim Reaper standing in a smoking lounge. It was really funny. <laughs> Not saying anything, just standing there. And yet, you know, I laughed at that, like, oh man, smokers, yeah. And then I think about, well, actually, like, I'm kind of that same thing too in a different way. And I have death sort of hanging in my life over me, and I need to think about that. And what does it mean? This man, Jesus, did he really die? Did he really rise from the dead? So you say, Pastor Jake, okay, I'll, I'll take you up on that. I, I want to I wanna pursue, I want to search. Well, what I want to invite you to do today, any of you that want to put your faith in Christ, is I don't want to leave this place and just leave you hanging. I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. And it's not, I don't do something for you. There's not a magic prayer. It's not a formula. It's just you making a decision to trust your life with Christ And what I want to ask everyone to do is just bow your head and close your eyes with me right now. 
If that's you and you're like, okay, I want to make this decision. I want to follow Jesus. Would you just raise your hand right now in this moment? You just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So many people. I want to follow Jesus. Come on, don't be scared. Oh, what about the people around me? Well, they don't, it doesn't matter. Like he either rose from the dead or he didn't. Well, I'm going to have to change. Things are going to change in my life. Yeah. But if it's true that this guy beat death and solved death, that means so much. Do you want to put your faith in Jesus today? One more time. If that's you and you haven't raised your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's all pray it together. If you raise your hand, just pray this with me here. Pray it with sincerity. Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know I've fallen short of you and of who you made me to be. But I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I put my faith in you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.